Hey guys and welcome to Move Wild Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. So today before I get into this show and introduce my guest, I wanted to share with you guys a quick announcement which is that you can now support Move Wild Podcast over at Patreon. I've set up a page over there so if you head over to patreon.com and you search for Move Wild, you're going to have three options to support the show. So that's going to include at the lower end, early access to content and some bonus content thrown in there. And then at the higher end of support, there's going to be workouts, there's going to be live streams, and there's going to be access to material that I'm not sharing on any other platform. So for any of you who are interested in heading over to Patreon and supporting the show, that's much appreciated. So just search on Move Wild. So this is going to help with production quality, with editing quality, with guests, with content and all that stuff. And it's really going to help grow the show. And in exchange, I'm going to be providing some of that bonus content that I'm not providing on any other platforms. So let's get into today's show. So today I got to have a great conversation with a friend of mine and that friend is Marley Hawk. So Marley is the founder of Wild by Nature Australia, which is a business dedicated to reconnecting humans with their inner and outer wildness. He came to this work after years as a teacher and youth worker but he wanted to offer a culture of learning and human development that was more holistic and it made sense to take it into nature and bring in elements of our traditional village cultures. So that's that's kind of a lot of the basis of what we got into in this conversation. We talked about storytelling, we talked about traditional village cultures. As I mentioned there in his bio, we talked about deep nature connection. I really loved this conversation. It was um, really great to connect with Marley and talk about all this stuff. And I know you guys are going to love it as well because it's really aligned with what we're all about here at the podcast. So I'm going to shut up, let you guys listen to the conversation, and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to Move Wild Podcast, a podcast dedicated to rewilding and natural movement as a means to reclaim and reawaken true health and aliveness in the modern world. So, uh, thanks for joining me here today, Marley, on the Move Wild Podcast. Hmm. Um, Good to have you here. So, I wanted to start off with kind of your backstory, specifically how you got into what you do today in terms of deep nature connection and storytelling. What was the path that led you to those two things? Mm. Good question. 13, 13 billion year long <laughs> <laughs> question. Uh, oh, what's the heart of it? Look, you, as, as you know, Jake, um, as a friend and, and, uh, probably heard my story a few times i've come to this world of deep nature connection whatever that is understood to be from teaching i guess you know practically i came from being a teacher working with children and then questioning the system i was working within or at least my ability to work within that system and and so looking for another way to to offer to work with kids basically and then yeah it became deep nature connection, but you know, there's a deeper, a deeper story behind it all. Um, how long we got? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'll paint a bit of a picture. You know, I, I grew up in an uh, what I thought was an atypical family with parents that sort of broke when I was young, which is not that atypical. But both musicians, both I guess in some way almost gypsy-like in the way they. They moved from place to place. We we lived in homes, not in caravans, but it was it was this almost nomadic childhood of drifting between different places in Sydney and Newcastle on the east coast of Australia, and me desperately wanting to be like just structured and normal and nuclear and have a sedan, not some strange old Ford Falcon sixty four. <laughs> um, I'm a mum that would wear shoes. And, and not barefoot and, and skirts to school and, and, and money. So I, I had dreams of being a banker or an accountant, I think, a, a, or a, a, um, a lawyer, actually. I wanted to be like Nan and Pop. Everything was ordered and, and sort of conservative almost. Um, yeah, and, and at some point along the way, I guess I, got, I drifted into surfing and, and the surfing culture, which lacks that and... and 
and found myself working in a surf shop in Bondi, just kind of, I felt purposeless, but um, I, I realized I, how far I'd lost track of those original dreams. And, and then I started to get called out, hey? Like, it just wasn't enough. I started to get called out. And, and with surfing as a motivator, I began to travel the world. And as that happened, I started to think about traveling my inner world more. And so the two, with like traveling to different places, islands and, and the Americas and, and through Europe, I started to more and more get fascinated with culture. And uh, I always loved the stories of places, you know, I'd always take those walking tours. And um, what I found was everywhere I went was that every place had a, a really interesting story, his story, and the people and culture had this really interesting story that over time I started to piece together with this sort of psychological work that, that I was doing as a student of psychology and teaching and education and as a student of, of Buddhist meditation and, and the Buddhist teachings, which is, you know, really psychological. And so these, these different threads started to uh, f flow into my life and, and I, I was looking at them all from a personal perspective in my life and what it is that I wanted. So with those things um, sparking my curiosity, I, I followed those, those different threads and rivers and, and tried to find a place in the world um, increasingly spiritual, increasingly purposeful. And um, at, at, at some point in my 28 years of life, Saturn returns after spending some deep time meditating, practicing meditation, it all crumbled. <laughs> like my psychology, my spiritual beliefs, everything, just, it just kind of crumbled. And I crumbled. And, and so that was seven years ago. And I, I had to rebuild myself. You know, I was a shell. Um, everything that I'd believed in, in myself and, and my spiritual practices was gone. And, and so I kind of clawed, hey, that's a nice stroke. I kind of clawed my way back into the world with a lot of support from friends and family from this big village that my family had woven, actually, and is my family that I didn't even realize was there because it was so apparently scattered as a kid. And, and to the point where I was bold enough to, to journey forth again and, and rediscover who I was. And, and, and it was in a little sort of coastal semi-village in Guatemala that I really felt something different, just living with these people and surfing and hanging with the kids and wanting to offer something other than English and our culture to them who had also lost their culture, but were living close to the land. And, and yeah, I found a course in Deep Nature Connection, Call of the Wild in the UK, and I was headed that way anyway. So April the next year, it kicked off and it's just been rolling since then. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's quite a story to lead into what you do now. And I think um, it's really good that we highlight those kind of stories because it, it's a long journey to get to where you are now. It's not, and it's all those little pieces. And I'm sure that along the way, you didn't, you couldn't, you know, like someone says that you can only connect the dots looking backwards. I'm sure that along the way it all felt very lost, but as you went along that journey, it all kind of came together and created what was here today. So I think that's an amazing story to start off with, uh, your story. Um, so I wanted to get into what were some of the key takeaways from that specific course that you did Call of the Wild in the UK? What were some of the things that really changed your world, changed your worldview and some of the things you picked up from that and took away? Mm. Yeah, well, firstly, just to like agree with what you said about connecting the dots. Yeah, life, like I do believe life moves in pretty purposeful ways, especially when we let it. And yes, looking back, like every every trial and tribulation, every shift, it, it, it definitely all seems in some way connected to this greater story. Um, and yeah, it's, it was no coincidence that I ended up there, even on that, more or less on ancestral lands in southwest England, hey? that's where my father's lineage is from, the Hawks. And I dare say there was some sense of that 
um, that culture in that course because although it was in some ways based on more traditional ways of living, uh, it carried a lineage of nature-based culture from the United from the UK, United Kingdom, particularly Southwest England, into a modern course that also draws on, you know, some of the great stuff we've got happening now. So that particular course, Chris Salisbury, the leader, you know, he wove in all these incredible humans from um, different areas like the hard skills like survival and tracking and, um, and that sort of area to, and bird language to uh, poetry, uh, a lot of storytelling. He had the amazing Martin Shaw myth teller come in and he himself was an absolute master of storytelling and he wove that into the whole thing uh, and really a lot of communal connection and a bit of grief processing through this, these lineages of, of work that reconnects like um, Joanna Macy and her work in deep ecology. So there was all these different threads going into that course and we got to experience different themes and, and different teachers each, each weekend. Only six weekends, but it seemed like half a lifetime. And what was awoken in me, what really awoke, was, was awoken in me was this, this magic of story, storytelling and poetry and imagination and the deep imaginal and, and nature connection through that, which is probably easily overlooked from, you know, if we look at our ancestors, we think they were, they were surviving on the land. But let's face it, like storytelling and, re and animating the world has been fundamental. You know, I was re-watching that movie, The Great Dance. Have you seen The Great Dance yet? No, not yet. So Sam Kalahari Bushman and, and their, you know, these are the best, some of the best hunters and trackers in the world. Uh, one of the most ancient civilization. But the emphasis they put on dancing and, and telling stories and singing and, and becoming the land and the, or the animals is, is huge. So like, it's, it's fundamental. And so yeah, I got, that, that was reawoken in me over there in this wonderful way. And since then I've really explored both sides of it, you know, the, uh, the more practical living alongside this, what is it, imaginal world. And, and the power they hold together when imbalanced. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point, the, the power that they hold in balance, because I think a lot of people disassociate the two or disconnect the two. A lot of people will be super specialised at the hard skills and focus on the hard skills and focus on the aspects of maybe our past that were more survival-based mm. and they don't think about the more uh, like storytelling and dance and, and those other skills and then there's other people that are focused on that and don't honor the hard skills and the two really come together in a in a, in a very beautiful and, and natural balance that is can be witnessed through experiences like that or through understanding cultures like the sand hmm. so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing that movie um what you'll like it yeah a lot yes yeah, for sure yeah. anyone out there the great dance yeah. it's on youtube and i think legally so awesome yeah um, maybe I'll put a link to that when we finish the podcast but um, what are some of the, if you were to explain storytelling specifically mm. to someone who maybe hasn't ever told a story or doesn't really relate storytelling to uh, an everyday part of their lives or doesn't see the importance mm. of it what are some of the key like basic aspects of being able to tell a story mm. good question yeah, like, uh, I guess, as you, as you would know, Jay, like, storytelling takes myriad or many different forms, hey, in the modern world. Um, and it's more and more making its way into the, even the business, hey, vernacular. You know, storytelling, it's all about storytelling. So, as storytelling humans, we can approach it in different ways. There's the personal story, the, just the daily story, you know, classic story of the hunt, you know, stories of the day. This is the traditional one around the fire. How did we get the food? What happened today? As we still do when we sit around the table, if we eat at a table, perhaps. Um, or now we often give it back to the, to the 
TV and, and they tell us the news, right? So the elements there. So that that's a, that's that is like a fundamental thing for a human to do is um that we have an experience and we deepen and the experience by sharing and we offer other offer others um a level of of experience in our adventure what what it was we did. So it creates this um it's almost like we get to empathically or vicariously live all these different lives because of all the stories that are shared and, yeah and some people unfortunately only end up living vicariously these days so the adventures themselves whatever they are whether it's day to day or going on a trip or you know doing something that feels meaningful or edgy or um, out there is is an important part that we do that and we tell the story yeah. but the adventure by themselves is often lost as well so if, if we're one of those humans who does these amazing things but the story doesn't get shared, then it's almost like a, a gift that's that's lost to our to the world. So I definitely try to draw the two together. Like it, as you've seen when we do a camp, like my favorite thing to do is to gather the literal stories from the kids, from the adventurers, from the adults, and then put them into something a little more mythical, uh, in the form of that dream time story. And I use that word dream time in in that. Um, not Aboriginal dream time, although my goodness, they got some great stories in their dream time, but that we will have this collective space where, where reality sort of suspends, you know, and we go there. And I think that powers up the adventures, that powers up the next day's adventures because people start to develop this, I would call it a mythical relationship with the land and with themselves. And so all of these other myths as well that exist if we want to go there we move from the literal to the mythical uh, as Martin Shaw myth teller says you know all these these very relevant myths arrived like 5,000 years ago but right now they seem to be more important than ever ever because they tell us about this deeper story and I think if we're not connecting the dots as you say between our literal lives and our daily lives and the great stories, the great myths of the heroes, but also cosmological, as Joseph Campbell talks about, then we lose the ability to, we lose a very important perspective on life, which is that it is much more. Like it is the mundane and it's also this massive magical mythical thing. And when, particularly in times like these, when, when things are tough or I look at my life and I'm like, what's it all about? If I can place it in this beautiful, like immense picture as well and say, hey, like I'm actually part of the great myth and I'm also this little guy doing, you know, brushing my teeth before bed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we are both. So I think it's an empowering thing and it has been for my life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I really like how you um, mentioned how we can kind of relate those great myths or those old stories that are, you know, thousands of years gone to our modern world. It's a really important perspective and I think it reanimates life in many ways. I think a lot of people, as you say, live vicariously, but they also live a life that's not animated through story where they don't see the connection and the animation that is, comes through story. And I think also at least a role that story has played in my life is is hearing these stories of different people who have done different amazing things and, and feeling inspired to go out and, mm. and do those things myself. And I definitely see that in the camps and with the kids where they might have heard a story that someone else, you know, quote-unquote, collected and they're now inspired because that, that story, they heard that story, they're now inspired to go out and do something, maybe not exactly the same, but something of the same... Um, experience of the same feeling and that's mm. what I I think is really interesting is that stories kind of convey a feeling more so than the specific activity that was being expressed in that story and I think you know when you look back at these ancient myths they express the feeling of courage or strength or going out and pushing past fear as the as the inspiration that we gain from actually hearing them rather than you know, I went out and slayed a dragon. It's like, what was the feeling behind that? Mm. So I find that, um, yeah, really fascinating. Uh, is there anything more that you wanted to talk to on storytelling and how that relates to your life or how, how you use it um, maybe to inspire others? 
and how maybe how you teach it to people. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about when I was a kid, like when I used to go to the movies, right? Yeah. We could probably relate to that. <laughs> Whether it was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or like Star Wars or all of these all of these things I'd watch and as a kid I was the sort of kid that really wanted to be a hero, yeah. Like I, I needed to be. Like um, most kids. <laughs> yeah, like most kids. Yeah. You know, I, and it, I would go watch a movie and I'd be so inspired to feel what it felt like to be a hero. Um, and I think that's a very human thing to seek the hero's journey, you know. The cliche but it's I've definitely seen it play out in my life yeah. and in others and and it's it's interesting to to be able to apply that to our life to see ourselves as a hero um, but also to, not to be not not to feel toxic cultural portrayal of hero pushed onto us um, so you talked about people sharing their story and inspiring others and like a hundred percent, that's totally it. My biggest issue in my life has been accepting that I'm, I'm a Mali, you know, and I'm not someone else. So the inspiration there can be really powerful unless we, we get this sort of toxic, competitive, I'm not good enough. I'm comparing myself to everyone else mm. um, and the, the idea that we have to slay dragons literally you know but what if I'm what if I'm a gentle uh, poet or what if I like to weave um, baskets or knit, or knit clothes or what if I um, yeah what is my dragon you know so and for some people it will be very much in the warrior realm for others it might be in in a much more sort of gentle realm. Mm. And so what I'm trying to say is that as a human uh, in a modern world, I need to try and negotiate these possibly restrictive, challenging, harmful, toxic messages that are in our, a lot of the modern stories. But I wanna, I wanna hear stories that inspire me or hear and tell stories that inspire me to be my best, you know, my unique best your unique best. And so when we're working with kids at a camp or adults, anybody, I think the, I don't know if it's intention. It could be the intention behind the storytelling. Ideally, it's one of empowerment and empowering stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that people feel empowered. And, you know, I get to do that with the kids because they'll come with this story of they, they you know, uh, caught a frog or they climbed a tree or they they made fire with flint and steel or they balanced across a log or they did something any of these things and then we take that and we, we, we praise it as a heroic thing because it was for them mm. yeah. and it's, it's it's different to I think when it's done in story it doesn't have this oh like you're a good boy that's amazing like mm. here's a star it's this different reward um, and it, it yeah I work with that as a teacher mindfully, like not wanting to, for, for a kid to come to me for approval. Mm. But I still recognize that as a human, we seek to be witnessed. That's a good word for it. To be witnessed, I think is the one I, I've realized with, with kids or anybody. And so if I have a story to tell of my heroic you know, feat, then if that's witnessed by someone that I respect, and reflected back in whatever way, then that is what I'm seeking. I don't even need to be told I'm good or even that that's great, just that it's witnessed and mm. heard. And so I think story sharing for a lot of us is about being witnessed. And I think that's a natural, healthy human development thing for us to, especially when we're growing up, hey, to have to have our uniqueness and and our our magic witness, whatever that magic is yeah that's a bit of an idea you know around the power of it empowering for sure yeah and and having that uh, 
unique perspective on whatever we experience witnessed as well. Mm. It's always going to be different from everyone else around us. Yeah. Like our story is, is always going to be unique. And I think that's one of the most powerful things about story is that we, we never have the same story as anyone else. It's, it's impossible. It's physically impossible for us to go out and have the exact same perspective and experience as the next person. That's why I think, as you say, it's really important to be witnessed in our story mm. and to say, these were my experiences. This is my perspective. You don't have to agree with it, but it, just to be witnessed in that, I think, is a real powerful thing. So shifting over more to deep nature connection as a whole, and obviously storytelling plays into that. Um, what, what? Um, I just describe for someone who doesn't understand or know anything about deep nature connection. What is that? What is the root of that philosophy, and why is it so important? Maybe to start at least understanding and maybe integrating some of those principles into our lives. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so for those who haven't heard the term deep nature connection, um, I think nature connection is, is, is an idea that's floated around a lot these days. And, and for a lot of people, that's like, oh, I've got to go out into nature. Um, and it's true. That's like an important part of it. So, um, I, from a deep nature connection perspective is more about placing ourselves in the an ecological and dare I say it potentially spiritual web of connections um, but let's go with ecological even if so we can be, we can stay scientific and so if I am an ecological being which science you know a hundred percent supports even if I live in a box and get my shopping clicked online and delivered I'm still actually 100%, 100% ecologically connected to at least the earth, the sun, really, you know, we're talking gravity if we want to go that, and yeah. actually everything in the entire universe yeah. has some scientifically suggestible connection, right? We've got threads to all of it, but definitely on the earth level and, you know, more and more on the local level. But what has been lost is the awareness of that, I would say, the awareness of it. And so deep nature connection is about, it's almost like a revealing of my infinite number of connections to all the beings, all the things within my, my world. So there's the natural world that I interact with, you know, that I'm interacting with, I'm not observing as a separate, I'm in it. There's um, or the more than human world, some people say that, rather than natural, because I am natural. There's my human world, which is my, you know, my tribe or my village or all the people I interact with and, are part, and I'm part of that organism. And then I'm, I'm me, I'm this you know, unique human, I've got a, I've got a heart or a soul or something that, 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 that drives me, you know, and my unique personality, and I've actually got this body, which is a collection of all these things which... You know, I, I can, those threads can also go inwards, you know, to my muscular system and the way I, I move and embody myself to my, to my inner system and how that is, you know, this amazing ecology in there. And, and so, that, you know, that's where sort of health stuff comes more, more prevalent. It's like that's deep nature connection too. But whatever brings awareness to my relationships, to all of the things. And like, I don't know how to wrap my head around it fully, but, but let's say that, all of the practices and experiences that, that draw out or strengthen the awareness around those threads, that's living in a life of deep nature connection. Um, and so then the question I, I guess people would ask is what, what am I missing? Like what, what, connections to my, to, what connections am I unaware of? Mm. Yeah. And you talk a lot about needs and... Um, mm. And as, as humans, we have, you know, biological, spiritual, emotional, physical needs. Um, and those needs can't be met any other way other than through our relationship with, you know, um, the earth, the natural, you know, the natural world, other humans, uh, ourselves, uh, animals, all these different things. Um, 
what how, how does that system work in terms of you know what, what how would you describe what a human's needs are and how that works within that system and that thread of relationships mm. yeah now that's an excellent point so when I'm talking to people about deep nature connection you know that that I guess this is a felt sense right but what what's it for what's the purpose well it uh if there's if there's a purpose you know i believe that we we're looking to at human development i'm looking at human development that's my that's probably what my passion is mm. so what is it that's going to actually um, optimize human development um and I, I will, I'll go back to what I said about the mundane and the magic. So I think as humans, we have, potentially we do have this really kind of like mythical, soul-like purpose in this life. You know, something, you know we, we've come to really experience some, uh, something deep and unique and profound as an individual. I believe that more and more. And that, that, but then everything we do in the practical world supports that as well. So it's this two-way thing. So if I'm not healthy, I'm not energized, motivated, supported, loved, um, safe, um, challenged, and you know if I'm not getting all these really important needs met, then I can't move along. I can't develop as a human. But but like you were saying, like, and I think you've spoken before about this with other people, we as humans have uh, an evolutionary set of developed set of needs and we're a long way from them deep nature connection probably that felt sense existed in most cultures that were living earth-based because 250,000 years as a human 300,000 300,000 maybe and then before that you know we could dare say that the 13 billion year evolution of the universe has has a unique we're a unique part of that so we have evolved yeah but yeah more specifically we had a long time, 300,000 years, perhaps, you know, history yeah. is more and more, yeah. you know, challenging. But let's say that we, we, it's quite possible we develop for a long time to expect a certain set of natural needs to be available, um, not just, not just um, general needs, but also life stage needs. Mm. And so culture becomes really important, hey? Like um, we need a natural environment, we need clean air, we need clean water, we need nutrient-rich foods, we need to be able to move in dynamic and complex ways and interact with, with uh, humans and nature in, in really healthy uh, physical ways, as, as your work is really focused on. Mm. And then we need these, um, we also have these cultural expectations, like we develop these cultural expectations at different stages of life. And so we do try to look at those maps. You know, they've been mapped out by some really cool people like um, Bill Plotkin and John Young, two of my great inspirations, and, and even co contemporary modern research on human development through education and whatnot. And so we have these, these, these things that we expect to be met with by our village, by our culture, by our community that allow us to, to proceed on the journey to being fully you know, fulfilled, actualized potentialized all that yeah. stuff so yeah i think one of the things now with 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 the as you know we do village camps well the reason that i'm so passionate about village camps is is because in a village in an uh, you take a village of humans in a natural environment it's like the optimum place to meet those needs right like we've got as many of our natural evolutionary needs available in that setting if we have a, a complete village, so yeah. we got you know like newborns to elders, ideally, um, and and all the all the spaces filled, and you know I know in our village camps we're we're not there yet, but that's what we're looking at. We're looking at how do we bring together the, the full, is it gamut, or the full, yeah, full array, the full, full array yeah. of, of of humans, yeah, um, in the right way with wisdom, and and awareness, and then meet the needs. Of our, for ourselves and each other yeah. and uh, you know we do micro doses of it yeah. you know four days whatever but if people can start to to see that model and, and then look at their their place like here we sit in blacksmiths you and me where yeah. we live together and okay so what's available here for me to meet those needs and what's not available yeah. and then and then we start to work it and we we work with what we got yeah 
it's a it's a great perspective it's kind of like a diet it's like understanding our deficiencies understanding what resources we have working with that um i, I really love your perspective specifically on on bringing together all these aspects of what creates a really well-rounded human because i you know it's it's quite funny sometimes that people can get very disconnected and and not really see the big picture of health not really see the big picture of what it means to be a human that's truly thriving in the modern world as best we can and I, you know i listen to these podcasts that are specifically on nutrition or specifically on movement and physical exercise or specifically on this one aspect and i think that's really important but a lot of them seem to uh not even reference the fact that perhaps health has also something to do with the other aspects has something to do with culture has something to do with you know understanding and meeting the needs of these different life stages and you know i think a point that you touched on which is really important is that you know just like we expect certain nutrients from our environment through diet we also expect you know certain needs to be met throughout our life stages culturally social structures um, what do you th- what do you think are some of the you know quote unquote deficiencies that we have in the modern world specifically when it comes to social structures and mm-hmm. culture um, because I, I see this as a topic that kind of gets covered but also I think it's really underrated when it comes to developing a well-rounded human or developing mm. true health mm. so what are some of those deficiencies and also how can we start to maybe what are some you know tactics that we can use to start to re- uh, rewild or mm. get back into nature connection or get back into connection our sense of social structure mm. yes yeah, so let, let's look at it a little bit more practically and, and rewild. I've been working with this idea of recycling, yeah. like as in bringing out, putting ourselves back through the cycle of, of being a human, yeah. you know, from, from birth onwards. And, and that, that's a good way to map out what we've missed. You know, so let's, um, from a human development perspective, let, let's go with that a bit. Okay, step one, we're safe, we're welcome, and we're loved, right? And we belong. Mm. I belong here, and I'm held by my... People love love me and hold me, and I can trust that I belong in with these humans and mm. this place. So we we got to we got to connect with that, and that's what sets up our nervous system. Hey, when I feel safe and belong, whether it's just by lying on the earth, breathing deeply, and going, you know, even visualizing, hey, like I'm held by this earth because mm. we are. Yeah, you know, it's nice to be held by humans too. <laughs> you know, like loving touch, like a, like a baby would get. So that, that's, that's kind of what we need at the start. We don't need to be put in some isolated little um, cot in the middle of a, a, a brightly lit hospital. Well, you know, so, you know, and I, I, the good thing is people are waking up, you know, like I'm, I'm probably preaching to a lot of the converted, but mm. maybe there'll be something new here. And then, and, then, and then as we develop our sense of, we start to move from the nest and we, we trust our mum and dad and our nest and our place and we explore and we start to move towards social exploration with other kids we we all we 100 percent we need to be doing this in nature yeah like the first exploration is exploring nature um natural environments hey like we have to have that all the research says it's it's a no-brainer and it's so easy you just go out into nature right go to a park go to a beach go to a forest access nature and just explore it and this goes for adults too like check it out there's all this cool stuff look at all the hidden bugs and beetles and birds and 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 plants then we start to play more and more we then we really start to play with others right so i said social but i skipped ahead then we really need to be able to play with others in nature still now for a kid or an adult doesn't matter freedom to play you know not not structured not told how we can play when we can play for one hour a day you know, one hour at lunch and 15 minutes at recess and then, you know, the rest of the time you, you do what we tell you. Like, we're talking like as much freedom as possible for a kid to play with other kids. They will learn so much of what they need for life, hey? Um, ideally, they got older kids around, hey? Models. So we play with modeling. If we're an adult, do the same. Hang out with adults, go into nature, play, be curious and have some people there who are like modeling some cool behavior, some cool... Um, ways to move you know if you're a movement person you, you look to someone who can move really well mm-hmm. if you're into um plants then you, you get models people people who are more advanced on that and mm-hmm. so these are our teenagers and elders 
we look to so that we can learn. And that's when we start to move into a more, um, a deeper learning where we want to challenge and learn more teenage style. So we have skills or specific mm. things that we want to start to master. Yeah, mastery. That's yeah. what I was thinking of. Mastery, yeah, 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 mastery. So our play, our play, we naturally, um, we have the freedom to explore and then that takes us in a direction. We meet the humans who are good at what, what we want to learn about and we learn from them mm. or whatever it is. And then, you know, whether they're physical or in a book or in a podcast, whatever. Then we start to do that and we want to be challenged, hey? Yeah. Then, then we need to be challenged and we talk about this teenage rites of passage and then we're really going to need some strong guidance which is that's that's a huge missing one hey like where where are the elders who guide teens yeah. through um these rites of passage experiences that help us step into our full self um mm. and you know a lot of the taboo stuff around blood and death and hunting and sex and and these things which we you know hunt, um, you know, women's business, men's business. Now we've got a lot of blurring there, but let's say there's these things to explore which are come up in any teenager's life. We see, you know, even more these days, like teenagers are exploring such a broad range of being. Mm. But they got no solid guidance that people understand, so they just rebel, mm. possibly, or they conform. They don't. So yeah, really supporting ourselves or our teens whatever age that that part of ourself to to um supporting that part of ourself to explore some of the more passionate challenging risky scary um yeah taboo even parts yeah. of, of the world in, in a healthy way and then to move into that sort of stage where we where we start to really seek you know we, we get out of the village we get out of the the cultural bubble we've lived in and, and we go okay now's your time to really you got your you've learned some skills you know you know you're pretty competent in your social world the natural world you can mm. you can make a living or whatever you can do this um but now let's now let's really go deeper and so um how many humans these days have the opportunity to really wander, to really seek, mm. to really explore? And, and in some ways, I don't know, this comes to me, test, like test what they've been developing as well. Yeah, well, Maybe. yeah, they will be tested. Hey? Yeah. Let's, yeah. yeah, they will be. T- if, we, if we do step out, we will be tested. Yeah. Um, and so everything we've honed, you know, these reliant, self-reliant skills, as Bill Plotkin calls them, will, will come in handy. Um, but there we're talking a little bit more psycho-spiritual, right? Yeah. We start to delve into these, uh, these non... Uh, yeah, it becomes less about the practical survival and can I go into the depths of myself? You know, a bit more so, psycho-spiritual, I guess. Mm. And, and you know, touch on what I'm really about. And I would dare say, you know, the classic story, the classic mythical story, the classic psychological story... Jungian um, is that we have some real shadow stuff from life. We can't help it. Mm. We've got wounds, core woundings, you might call them. It's the dark places where the dragons are, like these dragons we talked about. And it's in those places where the treasure is. So am I supported to step out of the busy lifestyle, step out of like the job or step out of you know, that culture and go deep and, well, that's pretty hard to find. Um, but man, most people I talk to, like the calling's there. Mm. It's either ignored at, at a long-term deficit or it's taken on at a long-term, like come back with the prize, yeah. come back with the, yeah. the treasure. Um, and then we move into adulthood, you know. Then we, then we, then we're, then we're very, then we can give yeah. back. But I think it's that, that first journey is, is, you know, I dare say most of us are stuck mm. because we haven't tended those that first that first part of the wheel, and then if that happens, we're good, you know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, totally. I can, yeah, I can definitely see that. I think, um, I think you mentioned this, but I think a lot of people seem to be stuck because they 
they're in this insecure place practically and physically. They don't act like a lot of people don't seem to actually live in a physic physical security. Mm. Although it seems that we do, it's kind of this illusion because we don't have the social structures there. We don't have, you know, the actual skills that might actually make us feel secure. Mm. So we can't necessarily journey into the the less physical aspects of what you just mentioned on that journey. Mm. Um, so it, it it is almost like. Uh, yeah, people are stuck. I, I, I've definitely seen that before, experienced that. Um, mm. So yeah, that's a that's a great way of putting it. Um, yeah, laying those foundations, like there's foundations that give us the confidence, right? Yeah. To journey into the unknown. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like knowing how to start a fire before. You know, you start singing and dancing. You don't have a fire to keep you warm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So the, the yeah, that yeah that second part of the wheel. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a good point. Like the day, you know, if we go back to a day, you know, like you get up, you go out, you hunt, hunt and gather, yeah, make a fire, yeah. and then you you dance and sing into that spiritual world, right? Yeah. Into the, so yeah, every sure. day is a is a, a small version of the the life journey. Yeah, yeah, so, totally. Yeah, interesting. Um, so. You, as you've mentioned, kind of integrate a lot of these principles that we've talked about into village camps. Um, so give people an idea a bit more. I know we've already talked a little bit about it, of what the village camp is, why it, why it is so powerful because of all these aspects that you've kind of integrated into it. Um, and I guess what, what are some of the key components of a village camp that make it a village camp? Hmm. Um, so maybe people can start to think about how they can do that in their own sphere wherever they're listening in from or may obviously preferably if they're nearby get along to one of the camps that you run yeah yeah well um you know i've been blessed to to travel around first when i was in the uk did a number of really cool camps there and then i got to hang out with gina and lee and the blue gun bushcraft crew amazing um then I got to collaborate with Kate and Sam up at Nature Philosophy and, and also Claire Dunn and Mel and the Melbourne crew. So all these different village camps and every village camp has its own uniqueness because it's made up by the individuals that attend, mm. right? So it relies on that and every bit of land is different. So the land itself will offer different possibilities. Um, I dare, I'll, I'll dare say I've not seen one that's compl- complete yet, right? So I'll, I'll preface it with that. like. Classic missing elements are a good, strong circle of elders. Really hard to find, particularly because we're reinventing this. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's hard to get like proper indigenous connection, with, as in that indigenous understanding of the land, but people are trying really hard to bring that in by at least connecting with local indigenous crew. And teenage teenagers are a bit of a missing element. So what do we do? Well, we come together, we get a team, we get that team, we look at what the strengths and interests are of the team, and we say, okay, how are we gonna hold this uh, group of humans, mainly families, in a space that, that really meets their needs? And so one of the key things, let's say the kids, when we talked about freedom to explore and play in nature, uh, with good guidance, so we, the, the mentor team, so we bring together, not the mentors, suck their souls. <laughs> the mentors. Uh, the mentor team, um, who act? I think they act a lot like um, teenagers and elders, yeah? So, like, teenagers and that, they go out and have adventures with the kids and, and they're aware and they've got skills, you know, whatever their skills are. And the kids learn from them in that way. And then they try and hold a bit of this elder thing, which is, like, kind of gentle and compassionate and, and a kid can come and share their story or they can have a cry or whatever they need to release, the elders will hold that too. So the, the mentors kind of play this dual role, um, when they go out on adventures with the kids in the morning, they give the parents a much, much, much needed um, break. I mean, kids send their parents send their kids to school, but not. But then they go to work. So at the camps, the idea is the parents actually we're realizing more and more as we need to support them to um, relax their nervous system. So to do the gentler, deep nature connection stuff, um, and just sort of earth, really earth, a lot of mindfulness, nature based awareness. Um, and play, and then I, we're getting to bring in more play, and then the literal skill, you know, the practical skills, like we'll do fire or weaving, or um, we've done a little bit of tanning before, and, and, and so 
you know, depending on the skills of the facilitators. Oh, movement now, hey? Like, we've realised more and more that we need to reteach natural movement. So it's been great to have you guys there or you mm. there. And, and so these skills that allow them to be practically more at home in the bush so they feel more comfortable. And then also um, at a sensory and, and nervous system level to just really relax. And then they bring their kids back and the kids are full of cuts and scrapes and dirt and <laughs> stories. So we have a break in the afternoon and people tend to their needs or, you know, weave or carve or whatever. We all work together to get food ready. And then we have a shared dinner and we bring it to the fireside and we, we share those stories of the day, particularly the kids. And then we turn them into some sort of creative sharing, whether it's be through, you know, acting things out or I get to weave them together to form like a story, a narrative of the day. And that same thing kind of flows through the camp and the camp has a flow. It's like come and, and arrive and be welcomed and relax and settle in and then get some skills and then go out and we have maybe a more challenging day or activities, maybe some night stuff, testing some edges. And then we, everyone, you know, in some way will test their edges and then we'll have a bit of a celebration night um, where we, you know, celebrate that we've, we've gone through a cycle and we're, we're alive and, you know, up-leveled, up-spiraled. And then, yeah, and then send people home. Um, and I guess the other, the, but, the, you know, the big thing is the culture that holds. It's mm. like... People can go and learn skills wherever they want from anyone they want. Yeah. Learn it from YouTube. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, the main thing is how do we... And I'm not an expert. You know, I'm young and, and I didn't grow up in it. But, yeah, we're really exploring what, what culture is really going to maximise people's... Maximise or just you know, really meet people's needs, eh? Yeah, bring them alive. Yeah, yeah, bring them alive. Yeah. So that's the goal. Awesome. But, yeah, it's a good point, like... Yeah, you do see a lot of people, they forget the culture, they forget the social needs of humans. It's mm. not it's something a bit intangible, it's something we can't measure, we can measure, you know, diet, we can measure skill, but, you know, so, social, social uh, connection is such a vital part of being a full and healthy human. So I think... It's yeah, it's it's an incredible camp. What what you offer, what you've built, um, it's really holistic. It integrates all those elements, all those aspects that we've been talking about, and many more. Um, where do you see it going? Like, do you see it getting bigger? What what elements would you add to it if you could? Mm. How how do you see it? What's your vision of it moving into the future? And obviously, that's going to change. Mm. Um, but. What what are you excited about with the village camps? Yeah, well, um, I guess the camps themselves naturally are growing as people deepen their, you know, returnees hold a culture and then that culture evolves. And so we're seeing more and more um, uh, solidity within the container and, and naturally dropping into that, that, those cultural relating ways that we've kind of been setting up. That's happening quicker. Um, it would be wonderful to have be so good to have some elders and like mm. I said a bit more indigenous connection you know I think that's why I'm very open to that at, in our village um, I look at the other village camps too which like I'll be going down to Melbourne probably this year to reconnect with those guys after a couple of years and so I think one of the keys is that we fl- and you know go up to nature philosophy I haven't been in blue gum for a while but mm. let's say that flow between the camps is really important like we're blessed when we get mentors and, and facilitators from other camps and I, I really look forward to going and learning from those other camps so I think if we collectively evolving not not staying isolated you know there's always been flow flow you know mm. between yeah. between groups right like yeah. tribes we've got Crazy. a flow um, yeah so uh, those things would be great. Definitely more teen involvement is really critical. And so I guess this comes back to what I was thinking was what, what happens outside the camps. So um, we need these threads between the camps. Hey, Jake, I think we've spoken about it. Like, there's got to be teen programs where teens feel they're part of the village and they get their own programs and they come to the village and they offer their teen magic. Yeah. And then we've got adults programs, you know, maybe men's or women's or, um, you know, programs for adults that run in between so that that thread flows from camp to camp 
And so it's about the threads from camp to camp kids programs, all of those. So tending the, the threads of, of the different participants in between the camps so that the culture is not like, here we go, we do four days and then it's back to life. No, nah, like we want people to be able to access this, this weekly, daily if they could, yeah. but let's say at least weekly, monthly. Um, I think that's, that's going to be a key is how do we, yeah, how do we flow it between camps, you know, in our local area? And then that comes back to the idea, this restriction that we're localised, you know. We, we've got a maximum of maybe 80 in the village, in our village. Mm. Some camps are bigger. So it's not really going to reach the world. Mm. And does it have to or not, I don't know. But the, I think what excites me, what excites me is working with other communities. You know, like we've done some homeschool community work and had some interest in how do we share what we've learned and the model we've been adapting and we've learned from other people. I really want to reference John Young and the Eight Shields here mm. because they're, they're a huge influence on all of us. And Tom Brown Jr., his, his mentor. Um, for those who are listening, look into those, you know, search yeah. that, Tom Brown, John Young, John Eight Young Shields. John Brown, yeah. You know, like a lot of what we've got has come from them and now we're adapting it. So the same idea. How do we take what we've got and go hang out with another crew nearby? Mm. Say, hey, like, what's your community? What's the land you're on? Here's, here's some, some models and practices. Uh, and then develop mentors and leaders in other places. Um, that's the future, you know. I, I'm young at it. I'm still, still trying to get our model solid. But it's starting now to that. And, you know, I look at some of the other more advanced experience like Nature Philosophy and Blue Gum. And they've, they've kind of been doing stuff like that. But it's all really ramping up now, hey? You know, yeah. it's like everyone's ramping up their... their um, Training of others yeah. is now seems to be the focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it spreads. It's got to spread quick, man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, awesome. That's exciting. Hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, um, I mean, that's pretty much touched on all the aspects that I wanted to talk about. Was there any final thoughts on this discussion? Anything you wanted to add? Um, just just something that's been really present in me these last few months with like you know the fires and the uncertainty and, and the world shifting a lot and like um a lot of fear like I can feel it and see it around me you know, what are we doing with our lives and you know we, we can't go back you know we can't go back but I dare say like we, we we have this opportunity to to come up with some really creative ways to to overcome or to work with these challenges whatever the result you know, whether we overcome them and re- rebirth humanity or, you know, whether we go in the next, you know, we're going to go eventually, right? Yeah. But I just, uh, something that's really present in me is that when we get together in small, in small groups and connect with the land, it makes life good. And whether I've got a day or, a, you know, 10,000 years left yeah. as, as, you know, as a human or as humanity, I really think that what matters is, is just connecting with that and 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 it it really is about love man like connection is is love yeah love for the land love for myself love for my people love for this this opportunity and so whatever happens man like th- this is good medicine yeah. you know in in this right now yeah know, breath to breath day yeah, to day yeah. for sure um so yeah if anyone's out there listening i just just invite us to to really go hey you know what matters who matters you know, and, and just love it, love it to bits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, including ourselves and 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 honor our unique journey. Mm. Whatever we're doing, we're doing something. You know, may as well do something with this life. This one, <laughs> Mary well. Oliver. Mary, was it Mary Oliver? Uh, great way to finish. What is it you plan to do with this one wild and precious life? What is it you plan to do with this one wild and precious life? It's a great way to finish. Sweet as. Well, how can people connect with you, get in touch? Oh, yeah. So if you want to um, connect, look up Wild, Wild by Nature Australia. There's a web page. There's a Facebook site. Um, contact. Yeah, we're really in it. We're reimagining. We, we, we haven't put up many events for the new year because, yeah, life's been so un- uncertain. So we have, what we're now very open to is people saying, getting in contact. We'll definitely be running a village camp, but around that, we'd love to come to you and, and support support you. Um, so yeah look that up there's a bit of free content on it there's that free course hey nature connection is a way of life yeah on the website yeah. that's a great uh, entry level to bring that to your own home Sweet. and um 
yeah, yeah, get in contact. You know, what's the, what's the need? Hey, that's yeah. what we, we want to know what, what are people's needs? Do yeah, need them, not for sure. Mm. I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes for people listening. And if you're even if you're overseas and not in Australia, still check it out because it's got like it's got that online course as you mentioned, and then there's I think just even checking that out as inspiration, I think is good to be able to apply that to wherever you live. Mm. So with that, thank you, Marley. Hey, thank you. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. So as I mentioned in the show. I'm going to put a link in the show notes so you can check that out. All the stuff that Marley mentioned, ways to connect with him, get access to that online course, get access to all the material that you might need to maybe take the step and start to experience some of the programs that he offers. I'm also going to put links in the show notes to connect with me, my website, and also so that, as I mentioned in the intro, you can, if you want, support me over at Patreon. I'm going to put a link to all that in the show notes, so check that out. Thanks again for tuning in. If you liked the show, please share, subscribe, leave a rating and a review. That really helps. And I'll catch you on the next episode, all right? Thanks, guys.